Now don't let all these papers make you feel frustrated. I'm not going to be here all night. But I want to talk to you about deliverance or freedom. And I like to say it this way after I'd studied this subject, which I have since 1978. Think about that, 1978 is 42 years ago. And I started teaching this then, and I learned as I went, did you make mistakes? Sure I did. Who do you think I am? I'm still a person. And it was an uncharted territory for me to get into it because I went to seminary. They didn't bring it up. (laughs) Their idea of helping somebody that was oppressed, send them to the psychologist or the psychiatrist or put them in some long-term counseling facility where they're going to shoot you full of dope and talk to you about your problems, but they're not going to help you get out of your problem in most cases. Now, I'm not against doctors, even the head doctors. Sometimes they help people. And, you know, if you're not going to do it God's way, get the help you need. But doctors like that are just smart, heady. But I don't know if they understand it's casting out devils. You're not going to counsel a devil out of anybody. I don't care how many sessions you have. And there, there's coming already. Some books will come out and say, well, that casting out devils, that was just old school or something. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's the one that anoints us. First, as just a believer. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but just as a believer who believes in the name of Jesus. No tangible anointing like I have or anything. Just believing in the name of Jesus, they can cast out demons. That's the first thing we should do, Mark 16 says. It's the last thing I got to on that list. Yeah, I'm just talking to you. Listening to me. So I want to talk about deliverance, and I want to talk to you about how evil spirits affect our health. And I'm telling you, we, we just are a broke-down society, in my opinion, mentally. You know, I'm not a stupid person. Uh, you know, if you, just, if you knew me, I understand people more than anything else. Because I, I said years ago, when I was a young preacher in my 20s, and I found out about Lester Summerall, and I read some of his books, and I prayed, Father... Help me be like Dr. Summerall. He seems to understand how humans function. That's what I prayed. And he's done that for me. Help me to understand how humans function. Not how they tell me they function, how they really function. Not how they put on the dog around me because they want to be spiritual or pretend to be spiritual sometimes. But just how they really function. And a lot of people are hurting. And, you know, if you don't get to the root of the thing, Jesus said you've got to get the axe to the root you can just cut off the flower and it's going to grow back. You know, you should have found that out in your yard when you had dandelions, you know, and you mowed them over and they just went everywhere. Isn't that right? You didn't get to the root. You didn't get round up or whatever. You squirt it and it goes to the root. You got to get to the root of things in your life. I did a series many years ago in this church, <clears throat> not because I was tired of ministering to people, but because I wanted to help people get to the root of why they're always in a prayer line with me for 15 years over the same issue. <laughs> Are you making fun? Kind of. Because you've you got to pay attention. You've got to get to the root of your issues. If you don't ever get to the root, you just, you just tape over it and run over it and forget about it. But it's still down there, and it comes out in another way later. Maybe the way you treat other people. Maybe the way you assess other. Maybe the way you judge other people. I'm preaching real good, not getting much help from the congregation. But My son gave me this saying. It was from Dr. Mark Hyman. He's like a neuro person, a brain person. But he made this statement, and I wrote it down. Every cell in your body is constantly listening to your thoughts. I know you thought they'd just listen to your words. But your cells are so keen in your body, they listen to your thoughts I'm going to go a little deeper. Your immune cells know your deepest feelings, and your thoughts have real effect on your body and your brain. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit of how to get out of some mental problems if you're in them or emotional instabilities, whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me what label you put on everything, or, or me either. I just want to be free. I don't have to say you got bipolar and you're this and you're, something, you're psychotic and you're schizophrenic. It don't matter if you're, if you're messed up. I want to get you well. I don't have to have a label for everything. 
I don't believe in long deliverances. I'm sorry if you do, then have at it. But I don't believe that. And I believe it'll, the demons come out when I speak to them, either immediately or shortly thereafter. But they're going to come out. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay, let's, let's go back here a minute to uh, uh, Psalm chapter 18. I'm going to try to move around in this kind of quickly tonight. I have a lot to cover. I don't want to keep you unduly, but I do want to minister to you. And I'm going to be, I put this with me, this handkerchief, because of all God spoke to me at home about prayer cloths. And I don't know who told me that. Chad wrote it down for me. Donna must have told him. There's a lot of people wanted prayer cloths tonight. So maybe you got an, an ornery child or you got an ornery mate. You can put them in their pillow and don't let them know it's in there. I don't care what you do. The power of God will go in them. All right. So I want to go to Psalm 18. And, and I'm going to tell, yeah, I'm going to do that, Father. Let me, let me give them this verse first. Psalms 18, verse 1 and 2, and maybe 3, 2 wouldn't hurt. But I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Notice it's personal. This is uh, David speaking. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. What I'm saying to you is you have to get into a personal moment where you realize that Jesus, just like I had you pray with me Sunday morning, I think, you received Jesus as your healer like you received him whenever you got saved as your Savior. That's typically what denominational churches were ministering. He wants to be your Savior. And then we found out he wanted to be our Lord. He have more authority in our life than just, than just saying, well, he's my Savior and not living any different. That might work for a while when you're a baby Christian, but it won't work forever. And then he, he became your Lord, but nobody ever said I could believe for him to be my healer like I do now. Because they didn't teach that in my church. You know, whatever you don't teach, you can't have. And whatever you don't know, you can't have. And whatever you know and won't accept, you can't have. And whatever you know and you won't fight for it, you won't get it. Because every time you make a positive step towards whatever I'm talking about here, then you, give the, you take away territory from the devil. I learned later in life, I didn't know this when I started, that when you bought land as a preacher in a community, you took land away from the devil. They're not going to put a porn shop on this property. They're not going to put a strip club on this property. Do I need to be more raw? I think you get it. I'm not going to put a bar here or a club. <laughs> and the devil hates you for it. Now, I didn't know anything about this growing up. I was so messed up anyway, uh, you know, from drinking, fighting, and partying, chasing women, and being crazy when I was a teenager. And then I became a drug addict and really went over there in another world. But when I got saved and when I came to seminary, to get Bible training to be a man of God, which I got a little, and I'd say very little looking back. I made good grades, but they just didn't teach anything of real value to me other than the Greek. They taught me Greek in the New Testament some, and a few subjects were helpful, but really when I got in the ministry in my second church, I realized there were people who had problems that I didn't know how to fix them. If you understand what I mean, I'm not the fixer, but I could bring truth to them that would help fix them. You understand what I'm saying? And the Lord said, I'm going to teach you about demons and the devil. And I said, okay. And then all of a sudden, I mean, the devil came at me. And I'm going to tell on myself, I had two major deliverances that I can remember. And one involves wind, Pastor Wait, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the first one... When I first started studying on this subject, 1978, I was in my second church, and uh, my father-in-law had a massive heart attack and died. My wife and I went down and buried him, of course, and, and then my wife stayed down there for about three months, and I was alone in this wannabe house that was condemned after I moved out. It was called the Parsonage. You can imagine if it was condemned in a county, how funky it was. But immediately the devil started to attack me. I was starting to learn about deliverance. I didn't have anybody. And the Lord said, I don't want you to read anybody's book on it. Except Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts. You, do, you read those five books and you make notes on every time that I ministered and what I did. And you do what I did and you do what the early church did and you'll be okay, Michael. Now, Dr. Summerall was in my state. He was at the top of the state. I'm at the bottom. But God said, don't read his book. And so I didn't read his book. I didn't read Dr. Hagen's book. I didn't. 
I didn't read anybody's book or listen to anybody's teaching on it, on this subject, demonology. Can you imagine that? And I don't know anything. But he wanted me to get it from him, I guess, directly, so I wouldn't be swayed. Mm -hmm. And since that time, I have shredded some demonology books, other books, not by the men I mentioned, but anyway. But all of a sudden, one day I woke up, and somehow the devil had invaded my mind. You know, he can't get to your spirit if you're a new creature in Christ. That's part of you is that God lives there. And he can't just come and go as he pleases. But your mind's an open field for him, especially if he can feed you thoughts and you start acting on those thoughts. Whatever kind of thoughts would be out of line with the Bible. Some people just get up in pride all the time. You know, and here's a little thought to you. If you're prideful, you definitely need to get up in this line. I'm not going to ask you what your problem is, but see, your pride will keep you separated from your freedom. What's people going to think? Well, maybe we already know. Yeah. <laughs> ask your wife or your husband, they'll tell you. If you're brave enough to ask them. Yeah, I'm being serious. But I'm not trying to be funny. Yeah. But anyway, immediately my mind got filled, and I hate to tell this on myself, but with filth. Some things I had done as a drug addict, but then other things were added that I had never even committed or did with people. And you know what I did? The first thing I did, I was smart enough to know this. I ran to my wife, and I said, Honey, I, I want you to know I'm struggling right now. The devil has tried to take over my mind. Now, you think that sounds funny for me to say today if you've been in this church. I've been in the ministry 44 years and cast devils out of people all over the world. I was in Siberia one time, cast the devil out of, tw uh, was it 27 drug addicts or 37? Anybody remember? You didn't listen to my stories well enough. Somebody ought to remember that. Anyway, <laughs> I said, if you're a current addict, I gave my testimony, get up here, I'm going to pray for you. And they fell on the floor just like the Americans that got delivered. But anyway, all of a sudden, that became a problem for me because I don't want to think like that. And I'm having a hard time reading my Bible. I went to my wife. I said, honey, I don't have, I don't have another lady on the side, and I'm not watching pornography but the devil has attacked me, and I'm struggling. To, I'm struggling to even go to sleep at night, and yet my mind is just filled with all these ungodly thoughts. Can I say that much to you? I had a friend that was a spirit-filled Christian church pastor. I know that seems like a miracle in itself. He said, I'm having a guest speaker, Michael. Why don't you come down and listen to me? Well, I went. Now, I'd had that stuff on my mind for three weeks. I hadn't slept very well for three weeks. I felt tormented. I don't know if anybody understands that. And then I'm still a pastor, so I kind of, in this sense, I had to preach. I didn't feel like I qualified to preach because I'm struggling in here. I'd study and read and make notes and preach whatever I knew, but <clears throat> I'm struggling. After three weeks, I, I was sitting on the front row, and the guy got up, and he introduced the speaker. He spoke. He did a good job, but he didn't affect me. And when he got done, he said, I want to introduce a friend of mine. He's in this meeting tonight with me. George, come up. His name was George Gray. He was probably 30 years my senior. He got up, and he had his Bible in his arm, you know, kind of like this, and he had a handheld mic. And he, and he just said, hello, my name's George Gray. When he opened his mouth, the anointing hit me on the front row. He said, I want you to go up to him when he's done talking and tell him what you're struggling with. Well, I'm thinking, God, this is a church full of people, and I'm on the front row. There might be my members sitting behind me because I was only five minutes away from where I pastored. So I went up to him, and I took his hand with the mic and kind of pushed it out like this. I said, sir, I'm a preacher, but I'm an ex-drug addict, and the devil has tried to take over my mind, and I don't want to think like this anymore. It's filled with filth. He didn't miss a beat. He never said a word to me. I'm going to sell you to counseling. What you need to do, son, is go home and plead. But he didn't say anything. He just went like that, laid the Bible on my head, and he said, washing with the washing of the water door. I told him what was wrong with me. He just laid the Bible on my head and said those words. And the power of God entered into my head, top of my head, into my jaws, down my chest, down my feet, and out my toes. I thought I blew the toes off my shoes and all my toenails were gone. It was so forceful. I'm not kidding. It just went, boom. I mean, it was less than five seconds, and I was delivered. Amen. And still delivered today. 
and that was 1978, I realized this was not an ordinary thing that had a hold of me. But it was something I was unaccustomed to because I was just starting to learn about this subject of deliverance. I never knew something like that really existed. Now, let me say something to you about movies. Stay away from movies that have the devil on it. Or I don't watch horror movies. I don't watch The Exorcist. I've, I've ministered this all over the world. I've been in 17 or 18 countries or whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but a lot. Been on over 110 mission trips around the world. And I preached it and got people delivered in every place I went. And nobody's ever heard me. Nobody's ever touched me in a violent way at all. So I'm confident after 42 years of this. But anyway, so that's when I first got delivered that time. And I'll, I don't know if I'll tell about Patty. I think I'll let her go for now. But she was a young lady that I ministered to after I began to teach on this. First time I ever preached and said, if you need help, get up here. Oh, I think I will tell you about Patty. <laughs> Patty had a red sweater on. She's a slight-built woman, and uh, she was probably about my age. I don't remember, maybe a little older. I said, well, I said, if you need help, get up here. And she came and said, the devil's covered me up. And I said, I grabbed her by the side of her head and screamed, come out of her. And I learned that from Jesus in Luke 4, because I looked up the root word of things when he rebuked the devil. He said he did it forcefully and loudly with authority. So that's the way God trained me. If you want to tell the devil to go like that and he's going, that, if it works for you, go ahead, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I said, come out of her. And all of a sudden, this man's voice came back out of her. I mean, a guy with a bass voice, I will not. I said, by God, you will, you'll shut up too. God, my wife said, my face turned as red as her sweater. I looked at my people. I had a big church then, about 15 or 20 people, and they were totally freaked out. And I think they said, he's got a real one up there, Martha. What's, what's, I mean, they want to know if I was going to live and make it through that deliverance. So this little petite lady came to this man's voice and told me he wouldn't do it. Well, I yelled right back, and you will, and you'll be quiet too. And he came out. And that lady, we saw her. It's been 10 years maybe now, but that was back. But still, she'd been free for over 30 years. When I, she came to our table in a restaurant. She was working in a restaurant. We didn't even know she worked there. Her name was Patty. She came over and said, Hey, Doc Jacobs, just once you know, I've been free ever since that night in Otisco. So moving fast forward, and I told you about the pain in my side, did I not? Was that yesterday? If you weren't here, you'll have to figure it out. But anyway, I had a pain in my side for 14 years. And after three years, I was so weary because I couldn't get any relief. And <clears throat> I was in my bed. I was, had a meeting to preach in Louisville on a Sunday night. I'll never forget this. I went in my office in my home. And I told Diana, do not disturb me for any reason. I want to go in there and pray. And I was laying on my belly in there praying. I said, Father, I pushed every button, pushed every lever, and I'm still messed up. And I don't, you know, I just don't know how I can go on. And here came Diana. I wanted to yell at her, but I think I said, I thought I told you not to bother me. Well... Dennis Enders is on the phone from Germany, and he said he picked you up in the spirit, and he wants to talk to you. Now, I don't know if anybody knows who Dennis Enders is. He was a helicopter pilot down at Fort Campbell. And anyway, he's a good friend of mine, a tremendous intercessor, kind of like Pastor Mark Owings. And I got on the phone. He called me from Germany. He said, me and my wife, we just picked you up in the spirit, Michael. What's happening? You picked me up. I said, oh, gosh. I was crying, you know. I said, well, i got to go preach tonight. That's how I felt about it, too. But I said, I don't want to. I'm in so much pain, I don't know how to get it out of my body. That had been on me for three years at that point. Now, it didn't go away totally, but the devil had, through that sickness and disease, my mind was starting to get affected. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Maybe if you've been in pain for three or four days or a couple of weeks or whatever you'd know or somebody like Misty would know she was healed of nine or ten diseases in our ministry about three or four years ago. I don't remember the exact timing. But it could wear on you to where you just want to just throw in the towel. And so I was so depressed, really, but I knew Dennis wouldn't call me if he didn't have something. And this is what he said to me. We're going to get right on it when we hang up. That was 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I had to get in the car and go to a meeting in Louisville at Pastor Parrish's church, Dr. Carol Parrish. 
And a lady from Louisville Trinity that I knew, a very spiritual woman at that time, I don't know if she's still alive, she said, can I speak to you after the service? And she came over and she had this, her Bible open. Now, I trust people that I know. And she said, I got this scripture for you, uh, Pastor Jacobs. It says, uh, this sickness is not unto death. Do you know what that means? I said, I sure do, thanks. So I took that from God. Like he was saying, when somebody hears from God for you, and she said, I'm not going to die. But I was still tormented. I drove home. I sat on the couch. My wife was with me in our living room. And I'm sitting on this couch. She's on a different place, not sitting by me. And I said, all of a sudden, I said, what's, what's that? And it was a wind came through our living room. It went. And I looked at her and I said, my God, I'm delivered. <laughs> in my mind. I still had the pain down here, but it wasn't tormenting me like it had five minutes before. They got a hold of God for me. In another country. I've been to Germany to preach. It's a long way over there. But anyway, praise God. Time don't know anything in distance when you're in prayer. All right, let's start into this a little. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. I just thought I'd led to talk to you about those two incidents that really affected me dramatically. I, I think it did. Both of them did for a great, you know, it was just something. Luke chapter 4, and let's look at verse 18 and 19 here. At least verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord, Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now that's more of the inward man, the soulish man. People get beat up, get beat down, not physically beat up, but just after a long period of time they just get strange about things mentally. Jesus said, I've come to heal those kind of people that are brokenhearted. I'm just adding some explanation to it. And to preach deliverance, there it is, to the captives. If you're captive to something, it means it's difficult to get away from it. And so we just realized that Jesus was anointed. This was one of the things he did. So I've never let anybody make me feel odd about it. You know my friends, all my friends, I told you I had to get away from them. All my friends, when I first got spirit-filled and first started, and I would tell them, I'm studying on deliverance. Oh, why? I wouldn't study that. Why not? That's going to tear up your ministry. That's going to mess up your ministry. It's going to shipwreck you. And, of course, I wasn't as bold as I am today. But I said, well, you, have you guys read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Book of Acts? Well, yeah, we've read it. Well, why, what's the problem? Jesus took at least, from my estimate, a third of his ministry to minister to people that would need a deliverance. They didn't know what to say, but they just said, well, I wouldn't get fooled around with that. You'll just mess yourself up. Well, I haven't messed myself up at all. And I say the people that have been delivered are very grateful that I took the time to learn something and them to get delivered if they did get delivered. Many have. And some didn't keep their deliverance. And that's on their side of it. You know, just talking here. Prayed for all kinds of people over the years, homosexuals, lesbians, in this church. Hate to freak you out a little bit, but yeah. And I got the devil out of them, but some of them went back into that lifestyle. You know, you can't keep going back to the same lifestyle you had once you get delivered. How I many know what I'm saying? You're going to end up in much worse shape. See, Jesus said the one that's come out, he roams around, seeks to find rest, doesn't find it. He goes back to what he calls his home. Because he had a place with people. He was comfortable there. He was undetected there. He was fulfilling his demonic uh, protocol there. And he'll bring his friends when he comes back. Then that person becomes even more messed up. Yeah. So we're seeing here this is something Jesus did. Now we're still in Luke 4. Let's look here. <clears throat> I found this out as I studied this subject out for a while. That I said deliverance is just another form of healing. Because, see, I think that people, when I say I cast out devils, they are thinking about uh, the Hollywood movie like The Exorcist or the guy that wore that mask. That, I don't watch shows like that, but I've seen them advertised. Or uh, the Halloween movies they have around Halloween time. And just the bizarreness of movies, period, in my opinion, that they advertise on TV. Not every single one of them, but a lot of them. Got elements of supernatural stuff in it and on the dark side particularly and... You just shouldn't watch stuff like that. It'll get in you. 
it'll, it'll make you be inquisitive about that. What you need to do is fall in love with Jesus to where you're saturated about what Pastor Keith was talking about spiritual things. Pray enough in the Holy Ghost that you get over there to understand some things beyond where you're at. There's all kinds of things in this other realm. I've studied it for 40 years, and I, that's kind of my signature thing that I talk about. I don't always say it this way every meeting, but I talk about that other world, the demonic side and the angelic side. And I'm the deciding witness, and you are too. Which side you're going to go with? Which side you're going to let influence you? And you can't live with one foot in that dark world, one foot in the righteous world. <laughs> you're going to be a mess after a while. Something is going to take the predominance when you do that. You just get sold out to God. You've got to learn to stop gossiping and stop being in strife and stop getting in unforgiveness. And You just may have to, I don't mean to be rude, just shut up. Instead of causing and creating more problems. And people will fight with you for nothing. You don't even have to throw your hat down. They'll just fight with you about stuff. Politically, religiously, and otherwise. I just don't pay any attention to it anymore. I, I just try to live for God and walk with Him and get myself prayed up and stay over there in the Spirit with Him best I can. I'm a human being. You know, if I don't wash this body after a while, it starts stinking. If I don't shave, it starts growing. But there's just simple things that you have to do, practical, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritually reading the Bible every day, not just books about the Bible. I do read other books periodically. I've got a big library. But I'm pretty limited, and I stay right where I need to stay uh, learning what I'm learning about what I'm teaching you tonight is one of the areas. All right. Now, let's look here. What I found out is deliverance is just another form of healing. I did that in purpose to disengage people that are so mentally ignorant that when I say that, they think every time I pray for somebody, their head's going to spin around, they're going to throw up or something wild. I've had people throw up when I prayed deliverance. So what? I wiped my shoes off and said next. And they got delivered too. You don't have to throw up to get delivered, but you might. you got enough stuff in you. But I'm just saying, see, I care more about people than I do what you think about it sometimes. I'm just talking to you. And you've got to learn to do that. Are you listening to me? <laughs> okay. I'm not looking for a fight with the devil, but if I find him, I know how to handle it. When he's in other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went to, I won't tell you where, I went to a hospital in Louisville one time, mental hospital, very nice one, compared to the state hospital, oh my. But, you know, I prayed for the person I went to pray for, and then several people heard me praying in the chapel, and they started lining up. Would you pray for me? I heard you praying for this guy over here. <laughs> so I prayed for two or three people, and finally, <clears throat> one of the nuns came over and said, uh, Mr. Jacobs, we think it's time that you leave. Give us your badge, we'll walk you to the door. Okay, there you go. Are you listening to me? See, you know, we just have to learn to get to a place where we're going to go all out for God. Now, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm going to tell this story because I had a couple in my church. They were well-dressed, well-educated, you could tell by that, and kind of thought they were somebody, but they had a daughter about 14. They came to me privately. She wasn't in that service. <clears throat> they were new to me. And they said, would you come pray for our daughter? I said, what's wrong with her? And how old is she? She's 14. Well, what's wrong with her? Well, she sneaks out at night and goes has sex with boys, and she's starting to do a lot of drugs. Well, where's she at? Well, we had to put her in a hospital in Louisville, mental hospital. Would you come pray for her? I said, I'll come under two conditions. Number one, you do what I say, and you be there with me. If you can't agree to that, I'm not coming. I'm not interested, not praying for children without some parental consent and somebody that will stand with me to continue with your daughter after I minister to her. So they had her in a locked ward, and I had to identify myself downstairs. The parents told the hospital I was coming, who I was. Give them my ID. They, they took me up to a locked ward, pushed me in, shut the door, locked it. When you get done, find the orderly on this floor, and you, he'll unlock you and let you back out. And so where is this? Where is Ruth? She's in room 12. So I walked down to room 12. And uh, I knocked on the door, and the dad opened the door, and then the daughter saw me. She's 14. She ran to the furthest corner from me and started whimpering like a puppy. And I said, Dad, what we're going to do, we're going to go over there. I'm going to grab your daughter. I'm going to cast the devil out of her. 
and I started to go, and he grabbed my, sh my sleeve like that. And I said, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Do you really say that? I really said that. <laughs> Not ashamed of it either. Amen. What's the matter with you? Well, my wife and I have been thinking. I said, oh, my God, don't tell me. Yeah, we thought we don't want you to fool with this. So you'd rather leave your daughter acting like a whore, taking dope, and if she stays in here long enough, she'll have sex with people in here, instead of me getting her delivered and you just standing by me and keeping her delivered. You'd rather go through that. Well, we wouldn't have said it like that. Well, how would you have said it? Well, we don't want you to fool with her. I said, you people are nuttier than the people in here. And don't call me to come back. I'm not coming back. I've been fasting and praying for a couple of weeks to come to this event. And I'm not going to get your daughter delivered for it. She lives with parents that are crazier than she is. You really say that? Yeah, I really said that. They didn't come back to church either. You fool with me like that. I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to put it on you stiff and hard when you lie to me. And you agreed to do this. And you said it wouldn't be a problem. I said, you're going, to, you're going to do what I ask you to do. I'm not going to do anything unethical, illegal, or immoral. So what's your problem? Anybody listen? Thank you, sir. I got a one hand here. Anybody else? Because I know there's uh, 10 other girls and 10 other men that I've prayed for with morality and other stuff in their life, and they all got delivered. I was in a meeting last year in a particular city, I won't tell you where it was, and I brought up abortion. And... One of these precious girls, she's in a girl's home. I know the guy that runs it. He's a real powerful man of God. And they have to sign a contract to stay for one year with him and his wife. It's just girls. I think they're about 18 to 30. And I, I was talking about abortion because I told a story about deliverance is what brought it up. I told a story. I, had, I was having a prayer meeting at my church one time with some men, about nine men. And I was in a little church in Otisco and the, the sanctuary is half, half as big as this section, maybe. And this lady came in, the lady in my church, she came in the back door, slung it open, said, I need to talk to you. I said, what about? I'm having a prayer meeting. She said, well, when you were preaching Sunday, I wanted to stand up and cuss you out. I said, well, you need help. Come on in. So she came in, and she, well, I put her on the front row, and I said, so what? She said, I wanted to cuss you out Sunday. I, just everything I could do to not stand up and start cussing. I said, well, you definitely got a problem. I'm trying to help you. So I prayed deliverance over her. I thought I was. And the Lord says, she's not delivered. Hmm. What are you going to do then? And I said to her, she was about right here. She was starting to walk back to the door and leave. I said, the Lord said, you're not delivered. I am too. You can tell from that attitude. <laughs> so I thought, what am I going to do now? The Lord said, pray in tongues. I want you are not. And she started running. I said, grab her. And two of my men were right back by the door. They put their arms under her armpit and just drug her right back up here. I said, sit down. See, sometimes I know you think I'm hard, but you don't know much yet. I said, now listen, lady, I will pray for you, but something's hindering this. And if you're willing to sit here a minute, I'm going to figure it out. Or you could tell me instead of having me have to figure everything out for you. You really say that? I really said that. But she knew what it was. And she wasn't going to talk. I said, well, you either sit there a minute and I'll figure it out and pray for you, or you could just leave. But this is the other thing. If you're leaving tonight, don't come back to church because you've got some real mental issues. And you don't want my help because I just told you you weren't delivered and you tried to argue with me. And I had those guys physically put you back up here. I'm not going to lock the door. You're free to go if you want. But if you want my help, you're going to have to wait a minute. We had a one-step little altar here, and I sat down on that altar and started praying in tongues. And I saw the whole thing. I said, you had an abortion. It was 27 years ago. And not even your husband knew about it. And your kids certainly don't know, but they're not even that old. You had three children. She started bawling. How would you know that? I said, is it accurate? Yeah, it's exactly right. I said, you killed your own baby. That's what your problem is, and you never sought forgiveness for that. Will you pray with me to forgive yourself? I know how to help you. She said, I sure will. And I prayed for her. And then I prayed deliverance over and then she was free. She stayed in my church the rest of the time I was there for several years. Amen. A good church member. Not one to cuss me on Sunday no more. <laughs> you know, sometimes people just need help. 
So I made up, I was telling that story, and, and she got in the prayer line. I didn't know who she was. I got down to her, and she whispered to me, you know, Dr. Jacobs, I've had 10 abortions. She was bawling like a baby. I said, honey, listen, if you had 100, God would forgive you. Will you pray with me? Yes, I will. And I just let her in a simple prayer, Father, forgive me for doing that. And I'm receiving your forgiveness. Then I pray deliverance over her because I know her mind was all messed up from all of that guilt and all of that fear of, and rejection. See, the devil, here's what the devil, the devil gets you to do things you shouldn't do. And then he beats you up after you do it and makes fun of you, rubs your nose in it like a little puppy. You know, when a puppy goes to the bathroom, you rub their, they think twice about going again. Puppy's got more sense than humans, I think. But anyway. Are you still with me? Did I drop you off the cliff? Okay. Verse 40 of Luke 4 here. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with different diseases, divers just means various diseases, brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many. I wanted you to notice that... Uh, He's getting people delivered, and it says, and demons also came out of many. So there were many people that needed deliverance, as well as healing the sick. He says he healed all that were, had any sick with different disease. So that includes any or all. And so let's, let's see where I want to go now. Let's go to Luke 6 and verse 17 through 19. And he came down with them, Jesus did, and stood in the plain, the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people. Out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed or harassed or molested, that's that word, with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Doesn't say they were delivered, it says they were healed. So deliverance is just another form of healing. What am I after here with you tonight? I want to say something real simple because I think I'm, I'm wound up. And what God wants you to have is peace. I didn't bring my Amplified Bible, but I think it's Proverbs 14.30. It says, a calm and relaxed mind is healing to your body. See, you should have peace on the inside. What, people, they, I've read this on many medical people. Stress is what's killing America. People are stressed out. Of course, there's a lot of things that make people stressful that shouldn't. But nonetheless, if they don't know how to deal with it, it just gangs up on them. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do? Well, first of all, you ought to find some scriptures and pray the scriptures that answer the situation you're in. So it says here, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue, the real word is power, and of course it's healing power and delivering power out of him and healed them all. Let's go to, to Luke 8. Are you following me okay? I'm just bringing these scriptures so we can look at them together and see that I didn't make any. These are all different events at different cities and different places. It came to pass, verse 1 afterwards, that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities or weaknesses. But notice they were healed of evil spirits. You thought he said they were delivered, but he said they were healed. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons. And then let's see where I want to go now. Let's go over here to Luke chapter 10 a minute. I'm skipping around a little bit. Look at verse, uh, here's something else. You know, in verse 1 here it says, he sent them two by two. He had 70, and they went out two by two. That's 35 couples, uh, the men. And into every city and place where he himself would come, verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. They didn't come back beat up. They came back full of joy because they'd had results by using his name. And then verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions types. The word serpents and scorpions are types of demonic powers. And over all the power of the enemy, how much? How much? All. all the power of the enemy. Listen, you've got power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I've stood on that for all these years and God's validated that for me. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. That would indicate evil spirits, but also if you took it more fully, any spirit. Demonic or angelic, they're subject to us. We're in control. And... Uh, 
uh, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. But this verse 19 is, is key to it. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing, no thing shall by any means hurt you. We need to know that and we need to believe that. So now we're, we won't go to all of these scriptures, but just talking to you, man, I want to go to one or two. But we know that there was a lady, let's go to Luke 13, look at her. She had a back problem, Luke 13, I'm not too far from it. Luke 13, let's pick it up in verse 10. I'm going to give more definition to this. And we know there are other passages, I don't have time to give them all to you, where Jesus prayed for people that were blind. They were here, not all blindness is called by evil spirits, but some are. He prayed for deaf people, not all people that are deaf. It's an evil spirit, but some are. I don't know if you've ever heard of Ernest Angley. He was a preacher in Ohio. He had a real high voice. And he would pray over people and he'd say, now say baby. And they'd start talking with him. He was a powerful man of God. He had a deliverance ministry. So what we're saying, and there's some people deaf and dumb and all this or things, where they needed deliverance, Jesus could minister to them. Some people have been in accidents too, and that's caused some other thing. And that could be healed from that. They wouldn't have an evil spirit there necessarily. But it's still, they could be healed from their blindness or deafness or dumbness or other things that they may have. This lady, it says in verse 10, Luke 13, 10, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. I remember my wife's a grandmother, uh, Mama, that's what we called her. That wasn't her real name, but she went to a nursing home as she got older. And there was a lady in nursing home that fits this description perfectly. God never spoke to me to minister to her, so I didn't. And that was in Tennessee, and she walked around like this in the nursing home and looked at you. She could talk. She was mentally okay, but just walked around like that the whole time I was there. So this lady probably had some form of arthritis or some kind of spinal curvature, scoliosis, or some other problem with her spine. And Jesus said it was a spirit of infirmity. Now Jesus came to me and talked to me about this. Let me read on first, verse 12. And Jesus saw her. And he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. He said it was a weakness in her. But he said, called it a spirit of infirmity. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Again, God got glory when she was healed, not when she was bent over. So anyway, the leader of the synagogue, he's all uptight about everything. He don't believe anything either. Verse 16, And not, not this woman, he says to the guy, uh, being a daughter of Abraham or a covenant person. That's what he means by a daughter. Anything to do with Abraham's covenant. So not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound. There's anything about God doing that to her. In fact, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what I've seen my Father do. And, and it says, uh, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, shouldn't she be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? And here she was going to this church for 18 years and she couldn't get any help. Kind of pathetic, isn't it? But when Jesus came to me one time and talked to me about this, I didn't see him, but I knew it was him. And he was talking to me in a room. The Holy Ghost was in here. Jesus was out here. And he said, I want to talk to you about spirit infirmity. Spirit infirmity, Michael, is something that gets in somebody through a weakness in them. And they will get healed of that. Let's say they had bowel problems. They get healed of that. Then they have earaches all the time. Then they get prayed for and get healed of that. Then they have migraines all the time. Then they get healed of that. Then they got a hip problem. They get through that. They got a knee problem. Get through with that. They start getting uh, sick in their throat all the time and having all kinds of problems with infections. He said, you'll have to deal with that spirit to get them free. So I say to people, if you've had that kind of stuff in your life, something jumps around on the inside of you and it continually is a battle to be healed and healthy, you need to get in line. We'll just pray for you. We don't have to call the spirit of infirmity, whatever it is. I just say, come out in Jesus' name, and it knows it has to obey. I think sometimes we get so technical, we make this thing complicated. You know, I mean, one place in, I think it's Mark's gospel, uh, the disciples came back and said, we saw somebody doing miracles in your name, and we tried to stop him. And I think Jesus probably wanted to slap him. That's the way I would feel about it. What's the matter with you, idiot? You know, he said, what is wrong with you? He said, nobody can do a miracle in my name and then turn and be evil against me. What's up with that? But they weren't part of their group. 
I don't know if you realize that. Religious is kind of territorial. And people get really territorial about their church or their group. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, I've got a lot of people delivered from that spirit of infirmity before. And now I want to talk to you in closing for a few more minutes, if you'll give me a few. First of all, I want to take you to a passage in Psalms 27. Talk to you about mental stuff, mental problems. And don't be, uh, don't be alarmed. I'm going to talk about stuff. Just realize if you need help, I'm here to help you if you want it. If you don't want it, then that's fine. You, you can just uh, do whatever. See, what I'm saying to you is sometimes I think people feel like, well, if I go up there, people are going to know something's wrong with me and I need help. And so what's wrong with that? If I said you got a bad left elbow and you had a bad left elbow, you would be smart if you responded. <laughs> and we wouldn't think anything about it. We think, well, that guy was smart. He had a bad left elbow. And Dr. Jacob said, called that out by the Holy Ghost and he receives. <laughs> anyway. But I saw this in a vision form one time, what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to show you the verse that told another preacher told this verse to me. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I had a vision one time and I saw this man. He's walking around. And he was talking to different people and kind of on his journey of life, I guess you'd say, going different places. And there was this evil spirit with him. Looked like a little monkey. Not exactly, but kind of had a demonic face on him. I've seen those creatures before in bird form and animal form, different things like that. But anyway, he had a pencil and he had a little, little pad of paper. And he was watching this guy and he was taking notes on him. Hmm. He's writing down everything, watching what he, how he responded to different things, what he, how he acted. And I said, well, that's an evil spirit, and he's making notes on people. And I didn't know this verse was in the Bible, and I, I, so I didn't say a lot about it publicly because I didn't have a verse yet. But you know, you know if you're hungry, God will get a verse to you. So I was in a back room about five, six, seven, eight years ago, and Dr. Dufresne's and another preacher was back there with me, several. And he said to me, Dr. Jacobs, you know, I understand God uses you in deliverance quite a bit. And I said, well, sometimes. He said, do you know that scripture in Psalm 27, 11? I said, no. And so he, he got his Bible. He had his Bible right there with him. Teach me thy way, O Lord, verse 11, 27, 11. Lead me in a plain path or a straight path because of my enemies. Or the footnote says, and the Hebrew says, because I checked it out. Because of those that observe me. In other words, keep me in a straight way with you, Lord, so that I don't get off the path and get into things that I shouldn't because there's beings watching me and observing me. I'm just telling you, I just know how this way, devil, or if you've got a weakness somewhere, he'll figure it out. He's not in you necessarily, but he could be on you or he could be following you or whatever. I didn't say you're possessed. I haven't brought that word up until just now. But you have some influence. And they will work on you constantly to get you into that particular sin. Which is worse, committing adultery or starting strife? Personally, I'd say starting strife. But I wouldn't do either one because they're both bad. They'll both kill you after a while. How many are really listening? But see, you have these enemies these beings that observe you, and unless you get in the spirit, you would never see them. Just because you can't see some doesn't mean it's not real. You listen to the news people every night, some of you do. And if he says it's rain, you've got your coat and umbrella by the door for the morning drive to work. And you hadn't had a drop of rain at all, but you believed everything he said. You're not going to tell me you believe a meteorologist more than Jesus, do you? I think some of you do. And the news people certainly don't know what's happening. They're liars. And they fabricate a lot of things. And you've got no way to disprove that or prove that. And they're always behind. I like the Holy Ghost. He shows me things that are coming. And a lot of it's good. There's a lot of good things coming to us from God. Hallelujah. All right. Now, let me talk just a minute to you here about a couple of things on, men, on the mental realm, if I can. Let me see. Let's, let's see here. Let's go over to, uh, let's go to 2 Thessalonians. And I've been going almost an hour. I know I've preached a little while. 
Well, thank you. I think it's pretty good. I don't know. I mean, some of you have heard me teach this before, but some of you need to hear it again or I wouldn't be talking about it. I mean, if it's just one person comes tonight, I'd be thrilled that one person needed help and something I said triggered something in you that said, you know, I think I need to get up there. I've never said anything publicly about anybody to embarrass anybody. And only one time in 44 years did I ever not pray for somebody in my prayer line. One time. Right here at this altar. And I've had hundreds and thousands of prayer lines. I'm talking about over around the world. But God said, do not put your hands on that lady. So I walked around her and went to the next person. Of course, you know what she did? When the service was over, she came right to me. What's your problem? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I was in the prayer line. You didn't lay hands. I said, why don't you tell me what your problem is? Because God told me not to put my hands on you. He didn't want my hands on your head. Okay, you guys are thrilled about it. I'm just <laughs> kind of like a couple, a couple that wanted to come to me to be married. Right back in the office there, the first, first time I was going to, I had four lessons with them privately to talk to them about how to give them a good start, to, uh, uh, a leg up, we might say, to begin a marriage. Because you think you know everything about the person you want to marry, but you know nothing. And you have no idea what it's like to live with another human being. But I got back there and I said, and we started and they said, well, what are you going to discuss first with this? I said, well, the Lord told me not to marry you. That just happened one time. And they said, excuse us? And I said, the Lord told me not to marry you. I'm not going to marry you. Well, why not? I said, why don't you tell me? Because you know something that I don't know, but except God said, don't marry you. So I'm not going to marry you, whatever you tell me. Well, we're already married. I said, so you like my color scheme here? Is that it? <laughs> you lied to me. You lied flat face, in my face, lied to me. And wanted to play me like some joker. I'm not up for that. I'm not marrying you. You're not getting married in my church. You can get married someplace else. Go somewhere. They pay somebody $10, they'll marry you. And I don't want your money. It's not that. It's the fact that you lied to me. And you're the only couple in 40-some years of ministry this ever happened to. So you ought to feel really something. What about their feelings? What about their integrity? They're already lying to the preacher. Just think what they could do to each other. I know we don't think like that normally, but some of us do. You know. And I happen to know for a fact that lady was called into fivefold ministry. And she just, uh, just blew it all to, you know, where? Not heaven. Anyway, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind, here it is, or be troubled in your mind, neither by spirit or by word or by letter as from us. So here's three ways that the devil tries to get to you. First of all, uh, he gets to you through a spirit, an evil spirit tries to trouble you and shake you up in your mind through spirits that are sent to mess you up. Number two, by word. Somebody said something about you that irritated you and frustrated you. Or somebody writes a letter to you. That's really a big one with me. And I told Donna, where is Donna? Is she here tonight? No, she's home taking care of all, I think. And I told my wife, you two just shred them. If you read a letter that's full of uh, complaints and ugliness about me, just put them in the shredder because I'm not going to read them. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Why would you read something that's negative about yourself? And whatever thoughts or feelings you had towards that person, if any, that's certainly going to encourage you to not have good ones. Hallelujah. We, we need to see who we are in Christ and identify with what he says we are. This will change our life if we'll do that. We're not arrogant about it. We're not prideful. But who said we had to read negative letters? Hallelujah. All right. So here's what the devil does. He sends spirits. He releases words. And then sometimes writes things. 
you know. Like Brother Copeland says, you know, he doesn't read things about him in the newspaper because, you know, the birds know where that belongs the next day to be in the bottom of the birdcage to do what on. You get it? That's what papers are good for. I'm not sure you caught that, but that's okay. All right. Now, let's, let's go over here real quick to Psalm 140, 147. Praise the Lord. Let me find my reference here. 147. I think it's a verse. Uh, let me find that. What, one, well, 142, verse 7. And I think I'm going to stop with this. I have a whole lesson here about uh, people that sometimes evil spirits get involved with people that are saved because the Bible teaches that. We've got four or five scriptures, but we don't have time to get into that tonight. Psalm 142, verse 7, bring my soul out of prison. So sometimes people's minds or their emotions and things like that get into prison by the power of the devil coming against them. Are you listening to me? And it's easy to do that. You, you just start thinking the wrong thoughts. You know, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Well, first of all, that's not fair because Jesus loves you and he died for you. I didn't die for you, but he died for you and he died for me. So that makes me feel valuable that he would do that for me. Even though I didn't ask him, he did it anyway. And I'm so glad he did. Aren't you? He thought that we were worth something. He thought we were important enough to him to take our place, to be our substitute. He bore our sicknesses and diseases. He bore every mental quirk that humanity's ever had or ever will have. He, bought, he, he bore all the emotional problems of humanity on that cross. And the Bible said, I think it's, Psalm, it's um, Isaiah 50, 52, towards the end of that chapter, he said he took so much on him, he didn't even look like a man anymore. It deformed him. You know, I know The Passion was a graphic movie, if you saw it, with uh, the guy that made that. However, that even didn't do it justice because he was just, every disease humanity's ever had or ever would have, every mental stuff, every emotion was put on Jesus for us to give us peace to give us peace, to give us healing, to give us wholeness. So sometimes you could be healed in your body but have a lot of problems in your mind, emotional problems or mental issues and stuff. That doesn't mean people are all insane. It just means the devil works on an area. If he has an inroad, he starts working on somebody. You know, I had some statistics on that. It was made, And they said people with mental problems die 25 years earlier than people that do not. So that cuts your life short. So just I'm just talking to you here. I want you to be free. I want you to have peace in your life. I want you to be able to go to bed and have peace and not regrets, not guilt, not frightened, you're not afraid. You know, God is with you and He's in you and He's for you and He loves you unconditionally. I remember one time I did something and I was really ashamed of it and I went to the Lord and I prayed about it and I said, Father, please forgive me. And he said, Okay, and then I kept on carrying that with me for two more weeks, the guilt of that. And I'd kind of I'd forgot about the fact that I'd talked to him two weeks before, and he came to me when I was praying. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I thought I was praying. He, he said, Michael, you asked me two weeks ago to forgive you for that, but you're still dragging that around with you. Don't you believe I forgave you? Well, I, I thought I was, but evidently I'm not based on what you're telling me now. I'm sorry, I, I didn't believe you. I thought I did, but I didn't really f believe him in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm saying? And I was dragging all that stuff with me for a couple of weeks. And he said, that was uncalled for. When you pray and believe I've forgiven you, then I've forgiven you. Remember that next time. I said, yes, sir. Hallelujah. Let's stand up together. Praise the Lord. I want the team to come, AMZ and the team, please. And I'd like the rest of you, the people here, if you need help tonight, if you'll come.
I'll be glad to pray for you and lay hands on you. And I'm just going to take authority over the devil if you feel you need some help. I'm going to believe for God to touch you and minister to you and give you freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Going to give you a new sense of freedom, a new sense of destiny, a new sense of uh, your righteousness that's in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And I just believe there's be no more beating up yourself or feeling guilty about stuff because of the blood of Jesus.